So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to John 3. Thank you. For those of you that paid attention, yes. I only say that because today is a gospel-shaped evangelism. So John 3.16, but I kind of want to go over where we've been. If you recall, we've been on this series for the last two months. We talked about what is the gospel. We talked about the hope of the gospel, gospel-shaped marriage, relationships, families, discipleship, relationships with discipline, missions, and today we're talking about a gospel-shaped evangelism. But what I want to put to you as well is let's call it a gospel-shaped life of evangelism. A gospel-shaped life of evangelism. Now, <clears throat> everything that we have talked about these last two months, what's the central theme? Okay, you can't talk. You're the preacher. Will's like, the gospel? Yeah, man, that's right. <laughs> to be fair, you know, they kind of planned it, so they should know it, right? But the central theme has been the gospel. Now, that excites me because we heard Will up here talking about the gospel, we see the gospel mentioned in all of these as we look at over the last two months, but the gospel. Now, if you're a churchgoer, you go, yes, the gospel. If you're not a churchgoer, you go, what? Am I right? Have you used that word lately? Out at, what is that? I don't even know what Willow Oaks, the, the supermarket is there. Publix? Harris all right, Harris Teeters. I'm older. So have you gone into Harris Teeter and gone, Woo, the gospel! Right, and if you did, 99.9% .9 of the people in there would be going, I have no clue what that person means. The gospel, ready, means good news. Good news. You say, well, what's the good news? Well, it just so happens I wrote it down here in case I, for I didn't forget. Look, the good news is this. The message that Jesus, hear this, that Jesus, God himself, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life. Now, all of you are going, wow, because we can't even live a perfect life for like 10 minutes. And I say that only because as, as, as 1230 approaches, some of you are going to be like, is that boy never going to shut up? That's just wrong. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. We can stay here all day. I got nowhere to, well, no, I got a tea time at 230. Sorry. We will be done by 1:30. I promise you that. And some of you are like, oh, whoa, 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 I got to eat. That's okay. Will has arranged to have pizza delivered. To... That just hurts, man. I specifically sent you a text. May have been the wrong number, too. Look, that Jesus, God himself, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life. Hear this. Was crucified on a cross, was buried. And if that had been the end of the story, I wouldn't be here today. Because how many other religious leaders, not born of a virgin, mind you, but lived a decent life, were killed for it, and were buried? Tons upon tons. But listen, the story goes on. The good news is this. Jesus was raised from the dead. He walked around for a little bit, let people kind of touch on him. 500 other folks got to see him. And then he ascended into heaven to hang out at the right hand of the Father, interceding, that is, kind of stepping between and talking with you. Whoa, 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 no, 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 Monica's cool. That's my wife. Monica's cool. She's one of us. Interceding on our behalf. And one day, one day, one day, guess what's going to happen? The trumpets are going to sound, 
It'll be in the eastern sky, so if you're not sure, just face east if you hear trumpets. And he will come again, and on that day, call his children to himself, folks. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That should get you excited. And that is just the preliminary work. Look, I'm a retired Army chaplain. Here's what that means. I Oh, I'm supposed to keep... So these are foster grants. Okay, so some of you younger kids don't know what I'm doing, but... That was like a big deal back in the day. But I got these on Amazon, and I can read, and I can see you. See, before, when I used these glasses, I could only read, and y'all were nothing but blurs to me. So I used to have to take off my, and it got habit, you know, and I wanted to kill that habit. Look, so I'm a retired Army chaplain. I spent about 20-some years doing the chaplain thing and did some other stuff in the Army, too. And after about 36 years, my wife is like, you know, we should retire. No, she didn't. The Army told us we had to retire. We didn't have a choice. But here's what's so cool and so sad and so scary. I remember being in a place called Anajaf in Iraq. Now, I, I have been to that one city about four different tours to take back the city of Anajaf. But I was with a special operations group at the time, and and one of our guys had a mission. He was training a bunch of local dudes to make a good team so that they could get rid of the bad guys. So that's good, right? We want the locals to help take care of themselves. Well, Mike was his name. Mike was the team leader of this group that was training a whole bunch of dudes, and it was, they were having tremendous success. But they came into a firefight one time in the city of Anajaf, and the local Iraqis wouldn't go. Their whole job that they'd, these special guys have been training them was to go. So Mike said, follow me. So Mike led these guys into the building, turned the stairs. Mike got shot in the head. Mike did not live. Mike is dead today. And you say, wow, look, here's the weird thing. I was on Facebook a couple of days ago. Mike's anniversary was the 12th of August that he died. Now, hear this. I'm sad he died, but I'm more sad that I never shared the gospel with Mike. I was his chaplain. I never shared the gospel with Mike. And I know where he is. And he's not in heaven, folks. You see, a gospel-shaped evangelism, a life of evangelism, means that when you go to Harris Teeter, you see people that are lost. And look, folks, when they die and they're lost, where do they go? This is not a trick question. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you die, where do you go? This is not a trick question. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you die, where do you go? Hell! I shouldn't have to raise my voice for that. This is a kind of easy question for people that claim to be followers of Christ. Mike spends eternity separated from God because Scott Brown did not 
share the gospel. Now, would he have come to Christ? I don't know. And you know what? I'll never know. And since 2005, I carry that with me every stinking day. And it hurts. And it hurts. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, listen to this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's in Mark. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's in Matthew. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. That's in Psalm. And in that day you will say, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Make them remember that his name is exalted. That's in Isaiah. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Acts. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Matthew. So faith comes from hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. Romans. You say, Scott, why did you read all of those? I thought we were in John 3.16. Look, all of this is God telling us to tell the message. All of those are just some of the ones I found as I studied this sermon. Did you hear me? If you claim to be a follower of Christ, if you say yes to Jesus at some point in your life, folks, brothers, sisters, we don't have an option. Our life is supposed to be gospel-shaped evangelism. Our life is supposed to be gospel-shaped evangelism. We don't have a choice. Interestingly enough, you may not know this, the good news that euangelion, which is the noun, there's a verb that goes along with it as well, whether it's a noun or a verb is irrelevant. It literally means, both in the Bible and in other documents in the Greek, the proclamation, hear this, the proclamation of good news. You see, we're not allowed... We're not allowed to just walk around in a daze and say, I'm a believer. It's just not allowed. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, it means that you must speak the good news. Uangalion, that that word does not allow us to just do something that has bugged me to no end. It's something called relationship evangelism. And here's what that means. It means that I simply make friends with you, you observe my, my life, and you become a Christian. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> if that's the way we approach evangelism, oh, my. Because I've seen my life. I live my life. I don't know about you. Well, you don't live my life. You live your own life. But do you really think someone's going to come to Christ because of how you live your life every day? And yet you've never spoken the word of Christ aloud? I mean, except when you hit your thumb with a hammer and you said the name of Christ aloud. Right. Not a good way to do it, right? Euangelion, that 
the very word means to proclaim, to throw out. Did you hear what Will read? I love that passage, by the way, that when Philip left him, he kept preaching the good news. Amazing. Well, look, folks, if you didn't know this, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Did you know that? John 3.16, if anybody knows it, just say it out. For Well done. Up here it sounds like eternal life. Well done. For God so loved the world, or he loved the world in this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You see, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Do you know what my proposition is yet? Good. For three of you that went, I'm taking notes. Rock on. Jesus is the answer for the world today. In John 3.16, we see this. And here's what's so cool. There are four areas in John 3.16, and that verse actually breaks down so easily to it. First is this, God's purpose. God has a purpose for us. God's purpose. And it goes like this. It goes, God, man, God, man. God's purpose, man's problem, God's solution, man's response. Isn't that handy when a simple verse works out so well for this? When we talk about evangelism, when we talk about a life that is motivated to share, proclaim the word of God, here's what we're going to find in John 3.16. And I'm sharing this with you in two reasons. One is so that you'll actually see a sermon that talks about evangelism. The other is if you take what I'm telling you today in 15 minutes, hear this, in 15 minutes you can share the gospel. What is the gospel? Out loud, I mean. I'm sorry. The good news. Yes, this is a participative. If you haven't figured that out yet, I'm, I, I like, if you're not careful, I'll literally walk down the stairs and I'll join you in a moment. Yes, and I'm looking at you, Blue. I can pick on him because I already picked on him earlier. Look, God's purpose. This is point one, God's purpose. Here's God's purpose in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. The purpose is this. God created you and me to have a love relationship with him. And he has a love relationship with us. Now, some of you are saying, wait a minute, Scott. I thought there was other purpi, if that's the plural of purpose in the Bible. Well, so there is sort of. Listen, here's some of them because all of these deal with love. In Genesis 1, Ephesians 4, and Colossians 3, we reflect God's image. Now, you... Some people get hung up on this. Listen, we reflect God's image. We reflect his righteousness, his truth, his holiness, be holy as I am holy. And there's this intimate knowing of God. In Genesis 1, it talks about, let's make mankind in our own image. In Ephesians, and put on the new self, which in likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So some of our purpose is to reflect God's attributes, that's great. But another is, and this is actually one of my favorite, in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it talks about having fellowship with him. Because John says, we have fellowship 
with each other and ours with God. You see, we also are supposed to have fellowship with him. But look, I am not going to hang out with you if I don't like you. Sorry, dude. When God hangs out with you, it's more than like. It's love. And when you hang out with him, it's a love relationship at that point. But there's more than that. One of our purpose, I got to figure out what the plural lived at. One of the, yeah, that's easy for you to say, Bob. I know that's Robert, but I'm shortening because my dad's name was Bob. Well, it was Robert, but look, is to bring glory to God. Isaiah 43, 7, I love this. Everyone who is called by my name, did you hear that? Everyone who is called by my name, all those who are followers of me and whom I have created for my glory. See, part of our purpose is to bring glory to God in everything that we do. Now, is it glorifying to God that when I know the truth, I shut it up inside of me and keep it away from the one who doesn't know the truth? It's not. So part of our purpose is to bring glory to God. And then listen, John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down one's life for his brothers. For God so loved the world that what? He gave his only begotten son. That's love. I would jump in front of a bullet. I would jump in front of a car. I would jump in front of anything for my wife. Because I love her. God loves us so much that he gave himself for us. You see, that's love. And we're to have a love relationship. That's why he made us with him. I remember sitting on an airplane one time, and it was one of those small airplanes. You know the ones got the two seats and the two seats? But for those of you that remember this, this had props on it. It wasn't a jet. And so if you've ever flown in one of those small airplanes commercially, everyone in there, even if they're not Catholic, is doing this number. But they don't know why they're doing it because those are scary to fly in. So I was sitting next to this lady. I still remember it. We were in the, the second row on the right side. She was here. I was here. And I could tell she was nervous. And so I, I engaged her in some chit-chat. And we got to the point where I was like, hey, I'm kind of curious. Do you know, uh, would you be willing even for me to just kind of like talk to you about something that I think will kind of help settle your nerves some? She was like, yeah, sure. So I pulled out a napkin because I always had one. And I pulled out a pen. And I started doing this thing called a one-verse witnessing method with John 3.16. And I drew this thing out, and I talked through all the way through it. And as I got to the end, we talked a little bit, and she said, oh, that's what I believe. And I'm like, oh, good. Then you've got nothing to worry about. By that time, we're already at 10,000 feet. But folks, evangelism is a natural outflow for those who love God. Because I want you then to have the love of God. And the love of God drives out fear completely. There is no place for fear when God's love suffuses me. God's purpose was to create a love relationship with you. But you know what? There's a problem, and that's the second point. The second point is this. Man's problem is sin. Now, that's one of those church words, isn't it? Sin. Again, go to Harris Teeter today, throw the word sin out, see what happens. Right? Good luck again, 99.8%. We're going to give some people the think they know what it means. Look, sin is disobedience to God. Now, with all those verses that I read, do you think that you're supposed to share Christ? Yes or no? 
out loud? Yes. So if you don't do it, what is that called? It's called sin. Man's problem is sin. I don't know about you, it tastes good. It's like chocolate peanut butter ice cream. Thank you. Because it's the best one, am I right? Yes, I am. And it's so sinful, I can eat the entire carton. I don't care which carton you get me. Look, sin is disobeying God. It's disobedient behavior toward God. It's man, hear this, I found this in a commentary. It's man's refusal to accept God's position and to reject God's way. Ooh, I liked that, and I hated that too. It's alienation from God. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you are not a follower of Christ, even if you're a nice person, you're antagonistic to God. You're not in right standing with him. Your natural way to be, your natural way to be is the world's way. Whatever's good for you is good. But when sin came into the world, and we know this, when sin came into the world, if you just picture this, it's like God is here, the world is here, and there's this huge gap in between. And that's what sin caused, this huge gap between God and man. And if we were to physically die, hear this, if we're going to physically die while spiritually separated from God, this huge gap here, God's here, the world's here, God's here, here's the person that doesn't follow Christ, there's this huge gap. If we die physically while we're spiritually separated from God, we spend eternity in hell. You see, for God so loved the world, now go to the last part of the verse, it says this, should not perish, but have eternal life. Should not perish, that word perish means utter ruin and destruction. You see, if you don't know Christ as Savior and Lord, if your position is one of sin, and you die physically while spiritually separated from God, you spend eternity in hell. Mike is spending eternity in hell because he died physically while spiritually separated from the Savior. Does that taste good to any of you? It doesn't to me. I was speaking earlier about these verses. If you've got your Bible open, I want you to read 17 and 18 with me. Listen to what it says. Remember John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. 17 and 18 says this, for God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him, that is in Christ, is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, when we were talking about perish, gang, the person who does not believe Jesus, God himself, is the Savior, is already condemned. The judgment has already been passed. And if we're living a life of God-shaped evangelism, should that bother us? 
The answer is yes. You see your coworker who doesn't know Christ will perish, utter ruin and destruction for eternity in hell. You see, your uncle, you know the one I'm talking about, who doesn't know Jesus as Savior and Lord will spend eternity separated from God when he dies. You see, your child, whom you think will just figure it out, if they don't know Christ, a life of gospel-shaped evangelism, a life that is gospel, the good news-filled, says people perishing for eternity bothers me. It hurts me. And it's not God's desire. He doesn't want anyone to perish. That's actually kind of good news, folks. God doesn't want that, but he wants them to have eternal life. But there's a problem, and, and, and that's sin. It gets in the way. I mean, sin has created this, this huge chasm between God and the world. Which leads us to the third point, which I love. God's remedy, God's solution. How does he fix this? That he gave, remember that? It's the second part of the verse. That he gave his only begotten son. <laughs> okay. I love, hate this. Number one, I hate it. I'm going to go from back to forth. I hate it because of me, he had to die and rise and ascend. Because of me. That's what I hate, because I sin still. Now, I'm a follower of Christ. My sins have been forgiven, past, present, future. Ugh, but I still do those things I detest. Romans chapter 7, the last half. Ugh. But 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. You see, I'm not condemned. I've been redeemed. I've been bought back. I've been saved from all that sin stuff. Remember that? That separates us here right? I've been saved from that, but here's God's fix. We need a fix for sin and eternal death. We need that fix because we can't do it. Your uncle needs that fix. Your child needs that fix. Your coworker needs that fix. Harris Teeter needs that fix. I've been in it. They need the fix. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't buy the vegetables. I'm kidding. I don't know. I've only been there for ice cream. Sad, I know. With the dairy cream right outside the door, I still go there for ice cream sometimes. And my wife just found that out. Oh, no matter how much man tries to fix it. Oh, real quick, show of hand. This is an official survey. Will, if you would take count, please. Number of people who didn't sin last week. You don't need to turn around, brother. Really? Nobody? Okay, number of people that only did one sin? <sighs> Pretty consistent on my surveys right now. I'm sitting at 100% on every survey I take like that, folks. Yeah, because no matter how hard we try, we couldn't do it. So God had to provide the solution. God had to provide the fix. And we see this in John 3, 16, that, little, that he gave, that he gave. Now, this is what's so cool. This, this is literally a gift. This is what the word means. It's a gift. It's a bestowment. It's something that somebody just here, and there's no cost to you involved for this. It's, it's free to you. 
It's not free to me. I don't know about y'all. I'm not a big fan of May and June because for some reason people like to get married then, which costs money, which means when I get the gift, it costs you nothing. You're just getting married. But here you go. There's another 140 bucks. Whatever happened to cheap wedding gifts, people? God's fix wasn't cheap. Did you realize that? God's fix, the gift he gave, was himself. God's gift was his unique son. People don't get that. You see, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, if you're living a gospel-shaped life of evangelism, you should get this. That God had to fix it because we can't. That God had to be the one, remember, born of a virgin, perfect life, crucified for things he didn't do took on the sins of the world. Uh, if, again, if, you, if you're paying attention to the words of even the last two songs, you saw the gospel. And perfect, perfect songs. You saw the gospel. Raised from the dead, ascended to the Father. You see, God gave his one unique, special son. I love this. God, the world, the Son. You see, Jesus bridges the gap. Jesus reconciles God to man. We couldn't do it. So we, we had to have something to fill that gap. I don't know about you. I've tried. Oh, my goodness, have I tried. You know, I, I always... When I share Christ with people, I, I, I will often take objections. You know, well, what's, why can't you? What, what's, what are you thinking? Well, you know, I'm a good person. Has anybody ever heard that statement before? Do you know someone said to Jesus, good? Do you remember his response? There's none. Oh, my word. There's none good. No, not one. How good do you have to be to please a perfect God. How good? Perfectly good. Okay, you've already failed that. Here's how I know that. Because I just took a survey a minute ago about last week. And you all sinned. So you're not perfectly good. So the goodness, you're not good enough. We're never going to be good enough. Well, you say, okay, but, but, but wait, wait, Scott. What about if I play guitar and play piano at church on Sundays? Surely... God would receive that, right? And if you do it well enough, right? Or, or wait, 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 wait. How about if I volunteer for preschool to work in the preschool every Sunday, every Sunday, every single Sunday? It, wouldn't that please God enough? Uh, no. It's no. Because the one Sunday you don't show... 
Look, God had to provide the fix, and he provided that fix in his son, Jesus Christ, to bridge the gap. And a gospel-shaped evangelism life will share that with people all the time. They'll say, look, the world, or, sorry, this is God over here. God, perfect. The world, not so much. Sin came in. We need something to cancel out that sin. That's Jesus. I remember one time I was, I was teaching faith evangelism, which was with a Southern Baptist uh, mode of evangelism back about 25 years ago, I think, something like that. So much fun. I had a team with me. We went out, and we went to this apartment of this young lady who had visited the church. So, hi, my name is Scott Brown. I'm from Shannon Baptist Church, and I have my team here. We saw that you visited. We'd love to come in and talk to you. Sure, come on in, right? So we walked into her apartment. We sat down with her, and my team, it was their time to, to work through this process, and I'm, I'm like the sage in the back, you know. Only they didn't. They were doing so badly. It was, it was amazing to me. Uh, and two very dear friends of mine, too. So as we're talking to this young lady, uh, my team kind of looked at me and went, which is okay, because it was really just like the first three weeks. So I finished up the, the rest of that presentation. And at the end of it, I said, is there anything stopping you from giving your life to Christ? By this time, the woman is crying. Her answer is, I want to give my life to Christ. Now, that's a formalized method of evangelism, but friends, we didn't know her from Adam or I guess Eve in this case, we didn't know her from Eve. And yet, when all we did, all we did was sit down with her and share the good news of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit of God smacked her in a good way. And she gave her life to Jesus. You see, when we explained to her that only Jesus could fill that gap that she'd been trying to fill through all the good things that she'd been doing, for going to church, for reading her Bible, for attending Bible studies, none of which were good enough, all Wonderful things to do. She came to know Christ because God provided the fix through Jesus Christ. See, God has a purpose. He wants a love relationship with us. But man's sin has created a gap. God fixed it through his son Jesus. And the fourth is this. Man's response is faith in Jesus. Now, here's what I love. It's, the verse says, whoever believes in him. Whoever believes in him. Have you ever heard that Christianity is an intolerant, push-away-other-people kind of religion. Have you ever heard that before? Guys, I, I hate to break it to you in a good way. It's not. In fact, the Bible says, whoever believes in him, y'all come. Come just as you are. I think that's a song, too. The doors are open. We don't close the doors. Oh, they're closed because the air conditioning's on, but you see what I mean. Come as you are right now. You see... Man's response to God's fix in the Son, Jesus Christ, in evangelism has to be yes. Any other answer, hear this, any other answer is no. If the answer is not yes, the answer is no. There's no in between. There's no purgatory of decision. Now here's what I love about that word believe. Too many people get confused in Christianity. That word believe, let me is whoever believes and keeps on believing for eternity is what that word means. So it's not just a one time, I believe I'm good, woohoo, I'm going back to the bar. I believe one time, woo, I'm good, and you even baptized me, thank you, brother, in the local pool, yay, and then I go right back to what I was doing. No. 
You see, I believe and I keep on believing. What that means is I'm also going to dig into here to find out who this guy is that has bridged this gap, figure out who this guy is that has washed away, 1 John 1, 9, cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Who is this guy? Did you know that you can call God dad? I find that so exciting. You see, when you become a follower of Christ, you become a child of God. And that should excite you. Because now you can crawl up into dad's lap. And he also promises to have your back when you go forward to proclaim, remember, evangelion, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, to speak out about Christ. God loves us. God loves us so much he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, God loves us so much that he did away with the sin because he put himself on the cross for us, sacrificed, buried, rose again. The world no longer has a claim on me. God has a claim on me. Man's response, whoever believes, needs to be yes. God loves us. Sin separated us. Jesus fixed it. What's your response? You see, it doesn't matter how much a preacher gets up every Sunday and talks about a God-shaped anything in life. If you don't know Christ as Savior and Lord, it's just talk from us. If you haven't ever given your life to him. You see, when we look at this here and we see this bridge that, that Jesus has provided between the world where I'm steeped in sin and God, his holiness, where are you? Would you place yourself right here in the world kind of looking over going, man, I wish I was there? Or, or maybe, maybe you put yourself right here, you know, kind of, kind of walking your way over. Or would you put yourself right here where God already is? You see, that's the pivotal question in a God-shaped life focused on evangelism is where are you? Because if you don't know where you are, you're not going to lead someone else to where they need to be. Where are you? If you're not a follower of Jesus, here's what's so exciting. It's, it's actually very simple. It's cost God so much, yet it's so simple for us. It literally is just talking to God. Now, too often in church, you get these folks that... And you've, we're, okay, we're good at praying. Would you agree with that? Because, okay, in public, because we practice. And sometimes you'll hear those, Father, Lord, Almighty God, he who is most holy above all. And you're like, oh, my word, can you not just talk to your dad? I've never talked to my dad that way. My dad's dead now, but when he was alive, I never said, Almighty Father, might I have the keys to the car, the automobile, which you have purchased? No. I'd come up and I'd go, hey, dad, can I borrow the keys to the car? He'd go, what's wrong with yours? I'd go, I'm out of gas. Right? When you want to give your life to Christ, this is what I love, it's so simple. You thank him, you tell him, you thank him, you tell him. You thank him. You just, I don't know, close your eyes if you want to. Keep your eyes open if you want to. It doesn't matter. Talk to God and you say, thank you for loving me. God's purpose, love relationship. Thank you for loving me. Tell him, just simply tell him that you're sorry 
for all the sins, that disobedience to God that you've ever done. Thank him for his love. Tell him you're sorry that your sins separated you. And thank him for sending Jesus to forgive, hear that, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all that unrightness. And then you tell him that you believe that everything Jesus did on the cross is enough to cancel out your sins and that you want to be his forever. You see, that's how easy it is. It cost him immeasurably. Yet for us, it's a simple thank you. Simply telling him our sins separated and we're sorry for that. Thank you for sending Jesus. And what Jesus did is enough. And I want to spend eternity following him. If you didn't pick up on it, I screwed up with Mike. Man, did I screw up with Mike. Ugh. And when we got back from the deployment, I led an event up in West Virginia, it was a rafting event. A bunch of the special operators came with me, and we had three rafts, raft, rafts full of dudes. It was an overnight event. So overnight, we sat and we talked about morality and life and how Christ makes a difference in your life and leadership and a whole bunch of other stuff. And one of the guys came up to me. He said, you know, Scott, thank you because um, I, I've been a Christian, but I've been away. And I want to get right with God. And he did. He started um, reengaging with his ex-wife and told his mom and dad his dad was a pastor. And it was wonderful. And we got deployed again because that's kind of what we did. And I'm down in Anajaf again. And something comes over the radio. And they said, such and such truck just got blown up. And... For us, they listed the names of the dead guys. And Aaron was one of them. Aaron was a good friend. Uh, and Aaron was a believer as well. That was the guy on the rafting. And so I'm glad I, you know, I had that opportunity. It's not like uh, he was going to hell because he was disobedient to God. He was already a believer. He was just being disobedient. Like, that's something okay. But... Um, so I flew out to where the team was, and because that, that was the normal protocol. When, when someone dies, the chaplain goes out and hangs with the team for just a little bit to kind of see how they're doing. And it was a team with whom I had very good relationship. So these are 12 dudes at any given time. Well, one of the guys that was there was Aaron's best friend, uh, not a special operator, a guy named Jeff. And Jeff and I are sitting in this, um, again, only in wartime do you get these things. We were sitting in this big bladder filled with water. They'd turn into a pool. And so we're sitting there, and, and I'm talking, and I mean, Jeff, he's, he's broken up. And I said, Jeff, I don't remember all the exact words, folks, but I got him to the point where I said, look, Jesus is the only thing that's going to get you through this. 
And I shared Christ with him, and he accepted Christ, and I baptized him right there. A life that is gospel-shaped shares Christ no matter where you are. Um, Aaron's death, Aaron's in heaven, Mike is in hell, Aaron is in heaven, produced another child of God. When we don't share Jesus, we hear this, we condemn people to eternity separated from God. If you're scared to do it, come see me, I'll teach you. I can teach you how to do this in 30 minutes. Less actually, but gives us time to practice. If you think you can't do it at all, come see me. You've got my phone number. I'm happy to sit down and walk people through this. It's easy. God's purpose, man's problem. God's solution, man's response. A life of gospel-shaped evangelism knows those and uses them to save people from an eternity separated from God. I pray to God Almighty that this church, this local body, will go out and talk about Jesus. If you lose your job because of it, come see me. I know lawyers that will get it back. If you lose a friendship because of it, hear me, they now have heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And God calls his children to himself. Is your life a gospel-shaped life? If you've never given your life to Christ, trust me on this. You're only promised this minute. You're never promised tomorrow. I wish we could say we were. My dad died at 55 years old. God. Unexpected by us. Mike. Never thought a bullet would go underneath his helmet. Aaron. I never thought he'd get blown up. He was very careful. What's your response to the word of God today? Because I can tell you this. Jesus paid it all for you. And in price, a, a gift of immeasurable quality.